0: This episode is brought to you in part by Palm Beach Atlantic University's fully online Certificate in Cultural Apologetics program. Learn how to show the reasonableness and desirability of the gospel from leading Christian philosophers. For more information, go to pbaapologetics.com.
1: You're listening to Seeing and Believing, a film and
0: television podcast that searches for the sacred on screen. I'm Wade Bearden, and I'm Kevin McClinton. Though I kind of wish that we had introduced ourselves as Boris and Natasha this week, Wade. I've been working on my accent. Moose and Squirrel, Kevin. <laughs> I see that you've been working on yours as well. <laughs> I have
1: in preparation, listeners, for this episode in preparation for our review of the new Marvel Cinematic Universe entry, Black Widow.
0: Yes, Marvel movies are back in the movie theaters and they're also back on Seeing and Believing. We're going to be talking about that this week as well as offering our usual recommendations on episode 297 of Seeing and Believing. The plan, or shall I just stay duck and Cover? My plan was to drive us away. Well,
1: your plan sucks.
0: You're welcome.
1: Hello, listeners. We are here with episode 297. Kevin, we're nearing 300, and I was just wondering... Do you think there's any chance we're going to review Zack Snyder's movie 300 on episode 300?
0: Uh, Well, (laughs) I'm trying to be diplomatic here. (laughs) So maybe it's safer if I just say no comment. No comment. We'll see. Listeners, we're still trying to figure out episode
1: 300, but I'm sure it's going to be amazing and we can always fall back on Zack Snyder's film, if need be. Today, we're going to be looking at Kate Shortland's Black Widow here in just a moment. Kevin, it's been over a year since we've gotten a Marvel Cinematic Universe film. We've got some television shows, but not a film. It's, I don't know. You said nature was healing itself earlier, and i, I got to go with that now.
0: Yeah, it does... In a weird way, a blockbuster of this scale. Yeah, I mean, I guess we had Tenet last year, but this is the blockbuster in movie theaters that makes it feel like, okay, we're kind of like officially getting, you know, getting back to normal with, you know, the usual movie going uh, summer routine. So it's, Mm. I don't know if, if nature is healing, but at least blockbuster season is. Okay, yeah.
1: And it did debut on Disney Plus Premium Access and it made a ton of money there too. So it's just kind of this, it's kind of weird right now. It's odd. We've got a movie in theaters, it's also at home, it's doing well in both places. So the world has changed a bit. Listeners, before we hop into our review, I just want to say thanks to all the people who support us via our Patreon campaign. Hop on over to patreon.com forward slash seeing underscore believing underscore podcast. You can check out our Patreon campaign. A lot of great perks. We give you a number of different things per donation level. Some of those are even personalized film reviews. We've got a couple of those coming up here in the next few months. Kevin, one of our favorite levels, our favorite donation levels is the what can you buy for $5 level. and I was wondering, what could someone buy for for five bucks?
0: Five dollars would buy you some bizarro dentures. So if you're ever you've ever wondered, you know what's what's it what it's like to gum all of your food and to not actually have teeth, you just pop these on over your actual teeth, and voila, you now look like you have lost them all. I say this every week, but five bucks for that is
1: an insanely good deal it's at least insane (laughs) it's it's something listeners you could do that or you could support our patreon campaign like we said just hop on over patreon.com forward slash seeing underscore believing underscore podcast kevin we are jumping in with our review of kate shortland's black widow here's the film's official synopsis natasha romanoff a.k.a. Black Widow, a.k.a. Scarlett Johansson, confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises. Pursued by a force that will stop at nothing to bring her down, Natasha must deal with her history as a spy and the broken relationships left in her wake long before she became an Avenger. The film also stars Florence Pugh, Rachel Weiss and David Harbour. Kevin, this is, as we mentioned, the first MCU film in a long time. When you watch this, whether in theaters or at home, I'm not sure where you saw the film, but when those images lit up the screen, did you feel comforted by the fact that it was a Marvel Cinematic Universe? And by
0: the end, did you feel like the wait was worth it? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I did see this in the theater, and uh, you know, comfort isn't the, you know, maybe isn't the exact word I'd use, but if there's definitely a sense of familiarity, right? Like sitting down in, in a dark theater, you know, there's there's a bunch of of trailers for other, you know, uh, Disney Marvel properties uh, upcoming beforehand. Then you know, the Marvel Studios uh, logo kind of flashes on screen, and feels very much like okay, this is kind of this is a feeling that we've had before and you kind of know what you're getting you what you're in for with this film i think the surprising thing about this movie wasn't so much that what what i eventually ended up thinking about it uh so much as uh there are moments especially at the beginning where it feels like oh this is Little, this feels a little bit different from what I've come to expect from a lot of Marvel movies. Like you know, like the the kind of quippiness, the 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 more glossy, fast paced nature of, of the of the movies that have come before. That's kind of what I think of when I think of of Marvel movies. You know, the the Avengers uh, from twenty eleven. You know, that set the template, right? And so a lot of the Marvel movies have really been. Following that to greater or lesser extent, this one Black Widow starts off with with a flashback, and it's kind of just a, a family scene. And although there, it does culminate with this, you know, this big chase scene with plenty of action and and thrills, it's of a different variety, I guess, than than I've come to expect from from Marvel films. It put me in mind, especially with the credit sequence of the FX TV series, The Americans, which I think is very intentional on Kate Shortland's part. And, you know, that was kind of... It was interesting to both settle in for something familiar and also with that opening sequence go like, oh, maybe this is going to zig where I expect it to zag. I don't think it ended up fully doing that. I think this was a movie that went down pretty easy. I I had an okay time with it. I don't think it, it really ends up being... Near the top of the heap, even for a Marvel film, but I had a good time with it. I think maybe part of the reason why I, I couldn't fall in love with it is because it does feel a little bit derivative of, like I said, the Americans, a few other th- uh, movies and f- TV shows that we can talk about as we as we go along. But it does it does seems like in in a way. Marvel and Disney keep they they keep finding ways to play it safe, but they do it they they play it safe in ways that at least it's not so obvious that they're they're playing it safe. And you know, that's that's its, got its own own charms as well.
1: Yeah. Well, this is one of those movies that probably should have been made years ago. And when Captain America: Winter Soldier was released, I I started telling people, "Hey, I think I think the time is now for Black Widow to have her own film. And it finally happened and it occurred at a, at a weird time because we already know that she supposedly dies. I say supposedly because does anyone really die in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Maybe. Uh, she dies in an endgame. And so I was curious about the story here. And I do appreciate that this actually takes place right after Civil War, before Infinity War. Because I think that Civil War is one of the most important films in the MCU, because it sets up this alienation among the characters that they have to correct in Infinity War and Endgame. And it it creates some, some pretty fantastic conflict. So to see what happens when Natasha's character is separated from the Avengers to see what happens to experience uh, the feelings that she experiences being alone after all that she's gone through. It makes, I don't know, I felt like it makes Infinity War a little more palpable for me. And I was watching Infinity War again. I watched the first hour a few days ago. And I liked it a bit more because it just it it meant something different. And so I do appreciate some of those those themes. And so I I, w- I was excited to to see this film. I, I didn't I didn't love it, but I, but I liked it. And I think that Scarlett Johansson's Natasha is one of the unsung heroes of the MCU. Everybody talks about Thor and Captain America and Iron Man, and I just I think that Scarlett Johansson. Really adds so much depth with her character and I I don't think people talk about her enough so it was really good to see her character here and you know we talked we talked about uh, F9 a couple weeks ago Uh, this film gives that one a run for the money in terms of family because this one is all about family Kevin.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, we we can definitely get into that because that's yeah, I they talk about it a couple of times over the course of this film, but I I really want to actually dig into what you mentioned about uh, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow being one of the unsung heroes of the the Avengers franchise. Um, the reason I want to dig into it is because I'm actually I'm curious about that um, because I feel like a lot of the reason why she's One of the, you know, she kind of is more under the radar than, you know, uh, the, the Thors and the Captain Americas of the franchise is because it, I think that at least my impression has been that Marvel has never really known what to do with her as a character. She's kind of, she's a little bit too ordinary to really feel right at home when people are, you know, punching you know godlike aliens and you know traveling to different dimensions but at the same time she's she's also a little bit there there's always been this enigma around her past around who she is because she's a spy she, um the it feels like the way she's been characterized it's often felt like the films don't really know how to develop her as a character while preserving kind of that mysterious past that is, is part of her character. And for that reason, it's often felt to me like Black Widow has always been there in the Marvel movies and Scarlett Johansson's always a welcome presence. And I think she does so much to uh, flesh out the character and and make her feel more engaging than she might have otherwise. But overall, I, I, ju- I just feel like Black Widow has never really felt at home in the Avengers verse. Marvel hasn't really known what to do with her. And I think that continues a little bit with this film where it does feel like they, they want to kind of give her a a fitting send off, you know, since she died, they kind of want to still give her the, the movie and the tribute that the character deserves, but they don't quite know how to do that. And it ends up feeling like there are a bunch of ideas at play in this movie that, Kate Shortland's the director, and Eric Pearson the screenwriter, and of course the the small army of of consultants and and crew members working on this film. They don't really know what to really lean into here with with Black Widow. They they want to give to pay tribute to her, but they don't quite know how. And I think that even though that's kind of of a piece with the way she's been treated over the course of the entire Avengers franchise, it does kind of feel disappointing. Like, she had an unceremonious send-off in Endgame, and now she's got this belated uh, movie of her own that just kind of doesn't seem to land or doesn't really provide a satisfying examination of her character, even as it does try to dig deeper. And I think that's maybe... Where the the film falls down the hardest is it just it doesn't feel like it exists for any other reason than to give her a send-off, but there's no strong idea for what would actually work in that in that context.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I thought that Black Widow's death was affecting in Endgame, but I totally understand what you're saying. the film okay, so I didn't walk away from this movie or finish watching this film and say, oh man. Like, this this was an emotional roller coaster. This is the last time I'm gonna see this character in an MCU film. Which I mean, she's she's been a part of it since Iron Man 2. And I didn't feel that because there really as you mentioned, there really wasn't a send-off. The end of this film connects to Infinity War, but but that's kind of it. It 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 just feels like this film is a little bit of a puzzle piece, like, okay, this gives us a fuller picture, but I'm not sure that they fleshed out her character. Now, I do I do like uh Florence Pugh, and I think she does a really good job here, but it's very evident, very, very evident, that this film is partially made because they want her to take Black Widow's place. And that's and that's fine. It just Yeah, I just I would have liked to see a little more a little more uh, honor due to Black Widow instead of this feeling like, okay, like, let's let's do this. Let's finally give her her film. And actually, one of the reasons why we're doing that is because we want to set up this other character. I mean, and it feels a little odd. Mm -hmm. It does. um, It does feel
0: like Black Widow gets a little bit overshadowed in her own film by by Florence Pugh's uh, Yelena in this in this mm mm-hmm.
1: And that's why I mentioned you know they didn't actually develop the character as much as they could in this film because because Yelena has some of the best lines. I mean she's she's given the spotlight here and uh, yeah I was kind of a little disappointed in that.
0: Yeah I mean I I I think that Florence Pugh is far and away the the best part of this movie and that's you know that kind of continues the trend where Florence Pugh is usually the the best one of the best parts of any movie she's in. I thought she was probably gave the strongest performance of anyone in Greta Gerwig's Little Women. I really liked her in Midsummer. She's just a wonderful actress. And I think she is sort of what holds this entire movie together. I I think that um, when we're talking about the, the theme of family, it's Yelena with her, you know, the fact that she... Uh, is, you know, part of this dysfunctional family that Blackwood is also a member of. There's this alienation to her. And yet there's this deep—the uh, way she's written, the way Pew plays her, there's just this deep open wound where she wants to belong to this family. And she wants to be—she wants to love them and be loved in return, essentially. And it's easily the most affecting part of the entire movie, which— is I mean it's great, but it also make feels like that doesn't really leave the actual ostensible protagonist, the title character, with a whole lot to do. Black Widow is is here and you know she has sisterly banter with Yelena, but they just kind of she's kind of just there for the action scenes. It it, it feels like the the screenplay is more interested in Yelena than it is in Natasha. And that again plays into the you know the eternal always a bridesmaid never the bride feel with Black Widow in all these Avenger movies where she kind of just feels like she's there, but you're really interested in these other characters more than you're interested in her. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: it is sad. I I did like the family dynamics in in this film. I felt like the movie. I don't know. It's 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 fascinating because in a film like this you expect the film to be a little more comfortable in the action sequences and just run through those those family scenes or those scenes in between, those connective tissue scenes. And I felt like this movie was at its best when it was just allowing the characters to sit down and talk to each other. I thought the action sequences were fine, but I... I don't know. They were okay. I, I wasn't just like, "Oh, this is this is amazing." And per many MCU films that I've seen, uh, the end is a little it's a little drawn out. All that to say, though, is there is a slight uh, tweak in the focus here because Natasha isn't a quote unquote uh, superhero. She doesn't have any superpowers. She's she's kind of like Batman. This film is a little bit grittier. And I've seen a number of individuals compare this movie to something like Mission Impossible or Born. There's uh, The Born films, they're actually direct references to 007. The opening sequence, uh, the title sequence, I should say, it feels like a, like a Bond film. And I, I like that vibe. And I, I kind of wish the movie would have gone along a little bit further with that instead of feeling like you, you got to do these huge big CGI set pieces and there were a couple of scenes that were just they were just too just too fake they were too unrealistic uh detached from reality some of these stunts that were done but i do like the 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 differing vibes here i i thought that was pretty neat you know you got some you got some ethan hunt you got some james bond you got some jason bourne and that you know that was that was a nice little angle yeah
0: I think the the big problem for for me with you're right that uh there are some real um, similarities to I, I thought of, of the Bourne films the most while while watching Black Widow, primarily uh, because of you know it, it's another one of these globe trotting films. We go from you know from Budapest to the clouds to to all these different countries. It's very much you know in that vein. And there's uh, a fight scene in a safe house that's really reminiscent of the um, that big fight scene. Uh, well, any—I guess there's there's a few of them in, in the Born Identity or or in the Born Ultimatum where you know Jason Bourne and his his adversary are in tight quarters. They're in a they're in an apartment or they're in a bathroom and they're just kind of they're trying to get the upper hand using improvised weapons and just their, their own, their own wits in order to kind of just stay one step ahead of the other. And that fight scene in black widow where uh, Natasha and Yelena, you know, go at it in, in this uh, Budapest safe house feels very born like, you know, the, the improvised weapons, the whole nine yards. And I think that um, that's, yeah, that's that's fine as far as it goes. I think there's an important ingredient missing, though, which is that the Bourne films, the the grittiness felt felt right for those because in you know at the end of the day, it was a story about kind of this this uh, our hero being per- pursued by shadowy government organizations, no matter where he went, and the shadowy government organization was tied in a very palpable way to the real world governments that. And and politi- political dynamics that we're all familiar with. Whereas with Black Widow, it's all tied into this red room. The the villain is uh, this you know this supposed criminal mastermind who has a whole army of Black Widows. He trains in this red room. Nobody knows where it is, and the entire film is geared towards: we need to find the red room. We need to stop this guy. We need to. Uh, break down the the power that he's doing to pull these st- strings from the shadows but the, the people often talk about I guess the Marvel movies have a, having a villain problem where the villain just kind of is not really all that compelling or doesn't make a whole lot of sense and I think Black Widow might be the absolute bottom of the heap in terms of the villain problem. This This villain is so underdeveloped you don't really know why he's doing what he's doing you just know he's bad and we gotta stop him so that when we do kind of have these confrontations between his goons and our heroes it it just it kind of feels like what are we fighting over again why do they why why are they doing what they're doing that you know is it it's all just for revenge and it just doesn't feel like there's the stakes have been well defined so that when we finally do have the big face off between Natasha and her her nemesis it feels it feels very flat because you don't really know exactly what is what what this guy is capable of or why he's doing what he's doing he's just he's a bad guy and that's mm-hmm. that's about it
1: <laughs> yeah i mean we we've, we've had some really not so great villains in the MCU. We've had some really good villains. Uh Michael Michael Keaton, I mean, he's he's an amazing villain. We we've, we've got some great ones. Uh, but I agree with you here. This is just uh it's a weak villain top to bottom. I do appreciate the theme of responsibility. And so the story goes that Scarlett Johansson's character was raised in Russia. Uh, we we learn this through some of the previous Marvel films. She's able to defect and she eventually becomes an Avenger. But as a result of that defection, she leaves behind certain people in her life. And here in this film, she's got, she's got to face up to what's happened in those people's lives As a result of her moving on. And she's going to deal with some guilt. I think. And this kind of goes back to what we said earlier. Florence Pugh's character. Yelena. Is the one that carries the emotional weight of that. Because she. Talks about just. Just feeling. Just feeling alone. And I I wish the movie would have pushed a little bit harder. In uh, Scarlett Johansson's. Character. Because she just kind of. She just kind of takes. She just kind of takes it, and we don't get, we don't get that emotional mirror back and forth between those two characters. Um, instead, y- Yelena does does the heavy lifting there. Um, but I think that's I think that's a pretty I think that's a pretty good theme for a superhero movie like this, and it's something that was emphasized in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Is who are those people? That these characters have to leave behind in order to save the world. And these people that maybe they should be responsible for. And how do they handle that? I think that Falcon and the Winter Soldier probably digs a little bit deeper and has some more time because it, it's episodic. But um, I, I, like, I like that they're asking those, those questions here. Uh, and of course that goes back to separating her from you know, the rest of Avengers and, and the alienation.
0: I wonder if part of the reason why that that conflict feels a little bit more weightless—the one you mentioned about how uh, uh, about the the weight of responsibility, about how Black Widow kind of has to come to terms with the the things that she's done in the past, the kind of the the ways that uh, she had to uh, act violently in order to free herself from the Red Room, and conversely, uh, Yelena, you know, the the horrible things that she did while under. Dreykov's sway. Um, that's the central conflict. I think the the maybe an issue here is that this is yet another Marvel movie about a a female superhero that focuses on her. Uh, having her agency taken from her by, by, the, by the bad guy. yeah, We, we saw that in, Ca- in Captain Marvel. We saw that in the Jessica Jones Netflix series. It's, it's a recurring theme, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with it, but we've kind of seen it before. And it, it feels with this film that where it's all about kind of reckoning with the past and your own responsibility in taking part in certain systems, it, it feels a little bit like it's counterproductive for this specific story. It feels like they really needed to have some other, some other way of generating a uh, conflict or difficulty, uh, obstacles for, for, uh, for black widow to overcome rather than just kind of having another one where she's depowered in the, in the face of the villain because he's, you know done something to her in her past that kind of make makes her less dangerous to him and that's that's something we've seen before and it feels like it defangs the power a little bit of the theme of responsibility because we kind of you you can't really be held accountable for something that you did while under duress or while being you know literally puppeteered by by somebody who's controlling you and and I think that that's that that's a little bit incoherent and it it does feel like at the end you you feel glad but you're you also feel like it was basically a revenge story and it didn't really like you said dig deeply enough into into that theme to make any sort of redemptive arc feel earned
1: yeah and i think part of that too is there are a number of other quote unquote black widows who are under this spell as well and those characters don't really have much to do. I mean, they're there and they're fighting, but for a film that says, hey, behind each one of these individuals is a real person who's being manipulated and controlled, uh, their characters are, are pretty uh, robotic throughout the movie. We don't really lean into them all that much. So that might be a bit of the problem. Okay. Uh, couple of other things i like david harbour here he's really funny he plays the russian version of captain america and he has this um this rivalry with captain america and you get the sense that it's it's a pretty one-sided rivalry <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> and that's good and uh rachel weiss is is pretty good here and i you mentioned the americans I, i've only seen a couple episodes of the show uh, but you definitely get that vibe, especially at the start of the film, and I really like the opening sequence. I thought the film uh, began very, very well, and it even set the stage for that kind of w- more down-to-earth, grittier vibe. You know, we're not we're not going to outer space here, and and so that opening sequence I thought was was pretty well done.
0: Yeah, I. I do think that 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 kind of Americans vibe, I don't think they could have kept it up because then they kind of would have just been accused of ripping off the Americans. So it's understandable why they step back from that a little bit and go in a different direction. But it does – it was a little bit disappointing to feel like there was an opportunity here to – to really make a superhero film that wasn't necessarily gritty and sort of the Nolan verse kind of gritty, but maybe more more grounded, where the conflict wasn't necessarily about stopping this this great world ending threat. I mean, this is yet another film where there's a climax in this in this giant technological fortress, and you know there's all sorts of uh, crazy physical daring do going on, where it feels like I. I'm more interested in the scene where Natasha, Yelena and and their two surrogate parents sit down at a dinner table and kind of have to figure out who are we to each other? Just like exactly how much do we resent each other for what we, what was done to us and what we did to each other in the name of our mission. Like that is so much more interesting than Ray Winstone's Drakov and whatever power mongering he's up to. Like that's just, it, it feels like a vestigial limb at this point. Like it's there because it kind of has to be because this is a Marvel movie and you expect that sort of thing, but it doesn't feel like the movie itself is all that interested in it. So I just, I'm waiting for the Marvel movie that kind of sh- gets rid of that vestigial limb and kind of just is interested in the interesting things in its story
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah no I, I i'm hoping for that as well i don't i don't know if it will happen uh anytime soon it i mean well i say that i, I there are some there are some marvel films <laughs> there's some marvel films that i really do love i love all the captain america ones and so um yeah but uh listeners that's our review of black widow let us know your thoughts you can tweet us at cbeliefpod, P-O-D. You can also email us seeingandbelievingcapc at gmail.com. Kevin, we've reached the part of our show where we recommend something from the world of television and or film to our listeners. What would you like to recommend today?
0: Well, uh, you know, I just got done talking about how I, you know, I I want this, you know, this version of Black Widow that that doesn't exist, where it's you know much more about of a character piece than about the spy action. So I'll balance that out with. A recommendation of a movie that is really, literally, all just about super spy, cool, and great fight scenes, and that's about it, rather rather than character. And that's 2011's *Haywire*, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Uh, this is a you know, this is a a super spy movie that is in a lot of it's it's a little bit like the Bourne movies without any of the overly complicated. Uh, narrative stuff about Treadstone and and Super Soldiers and all that. It's really just about one woman played by Gina Carano, uh, who obviously as an MMA fighter, she does all of her own stunts. And uh, it's just about her being double-crossed, and she has to get to the bottom of who double-crossed her, why, and she's going to go and beat them up. That's literally all the movie is. And what Soderbergh does is he really just relies on Carano's physicality and uh, screen presence to to carry the entire film. And in a lot of ways, it's just an exercise in seeing how that screen presence and just the overall cool of super spies getting into knockdown dragout drag-out fights in evening formal wear can can just be a lot of fun to watch and really compelling without needing to necessarily have a lot of narrative underpinning to it. So if you're kind of looking for a, a spy action movie that really just is all about the style and action and there's literally no fat on it whatsoever, uh, Soderbergh's Haywire is the movie for you. Yeah, that's such a fascinating movie. I...
1: I watched it when it when it was first released, and it's just you know Soderbergh. I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of his work. I, I, there are certainly a number of films that I really do like, but he he's he's somebody who experiments, and I you know I appreciate that about him.
0: Yeah, it's a it, I, it's a movie that when I first saw it, I was kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. But the more I've thought about, it, the more I'm like, I think it's actually it's for a movie that's not really you know self-consciously brainy, it's really smart about why we like super spy movies and what actually makes those movies tick.
1: Hmm. Hmm. That's a good pick. My pick is a mystery film. So it's not necessarily a spy film. It's from Alfred Hitchcock, his 1938 movie, the lady vanishes. So there is a, a woman who is traveling across Europe and she meets an elderly woman on a train. That woman disappears from the train and the mystery ensues. This is just a nice psychological mystery thriller from Alfred Hitchcock. And I feel like it's, it's forgotten about when compared to films like North by Northwest. Uh, but it's, I, I, think it, I, I think it's a very taunt thriller and enjoyed it uh, enjoyed it a lot so if our listeners have not had a chance to see the lady vanishes uh, it's it's a pretty good movie and uh, it's also a pretty relevant movie today in terms of um, believing women and trusting them and a, there's just kind of a lot happening in that movie So yeah the 1938 film The Lady vanishes.
0: Yeah, that is. That's an interesting movie. I, I went into it knowing it was a mystery, but not a whole lot else. And what I was really surprised by is that it's basically Hitchcock's version of Gaslight. Um, it's it's all about like uh, somebody knowing something is true, but uh, being told over and over that it isn't. And watching that uh, develop over the course of the film is is really interesting. I don't know that I I uh, came away from it having as much affection for as you did, I kind of was hoping for it to resolve and feel like a little bit more. But when you're in the thick of the mystery, it is really engaging to to wonder, you know, what exactly is going on here? And that, you know, that's Hitchcock <laughs> for you. He's really good at, at creating those sorts of, uh, those sorts of, uh, uh movies. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that, that's, that's well said listeners. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. As always, tweet us at cbeliefpod, cbeliefpod. You can also email us seeingandbelievingcapc at gmail.com. Rate and review the show on iTunes. We appreciate that. Anytime you can rate and review us, uh, you know, do it once, do it often, whatever you can. We, we love it. This episode is brought to you by ChristinPopCulture.com. Our producer is Jonathan Clausen, who every week helps us to search for the sacred on screen. I'm Wade Bearden. My co-host is Kevin McLenathan. And until next time, this is Seeing and Believing. We'll see you later.
0: You have been listening to Seeing and Believing, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes and check out our other shows at christinpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Alexander Osborne and Lindsay Miz used under Creative Commons License 3.0.